The Tuffle Commute, Season 8, Episode 2, Cheating, in which we discuss dishonest practice in academia. Right, off we go. Hey, Lindsay, how you doing? Fine, fine, John. How are you? How are you? I'm not too bad, uh, except, of course, as is the law of the podcast, as soon as I, we start recording, the next door neighbour starts drilling. So uh, apologies if there is a little bit of sound interference on this one. I'm sure our producer will do his best, but it is quite a heavy drill going on outside at the moment. Yes. And if there isn't drilling, you might get my hacking cough, which I'm trying to keep a handle on, but I've had a cold since uh, coming back from Canada recently. So. Yeah, is that because the Canadians are cold people or is it a... No, it's because there was too much air conditioning on the airplane. Uh, too much air conditioning. That's an interesting one. <laughs> Um, let's just introduce ourselves here, by the way. My name is Lindsay, and I'm one of the hosts. Are you? Gosh, never realized. Yes. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm the, the, I'm the other host, apparently. The- yes, and this is the Temple <laughs> Commute. This is a podcast for language teachers. That's not about language teaching specifically, but the topic always comes up. In each episode, we take a theme and we explore it. The themes are either fully or tangentially like that word tangentially I tangentially you you were reading on that plane then yes <laughs> related related to teaching and this one is tangentially but maybe fully as well um well this episode is all about cheating so one of the things we wanted to talk about this season was the idea of cheating and kind of explore different aspects of it maybe we should begin by defining our terms like what what is cheating like the defining the terms yeah. Oh, is, is, is cheating where I get somebody else to sit in and do the podcast for me so I could pretend to be sure? I think there's lots of ways of cheating. Um, of course, we were just laughing about this before when I was doing when we were doing a, a Google searches for cheating or definitions of cheating or interesting facts about cheating for a podcast. Unfortunately, we did always come up first several pages of Google were all about cheating on one's spouse or significant other. This is not the kind of cheating we're talking about in this episode. We're talking about academic cheating or dishonesty and and I found a very handy list of at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine kinds of academic dishonesty. Okay. So what it will do, Sean, is for our listeners, I'll go through them and you tell me what you think they mean. Okay. Cause you haven't seen this list. No. Okay. It should be quite easy. Okay. But this is all, these are all kinds of academic dishonesty or. Can I Google or is that cheating? You, that. Well, we'll see what category of cheating that comes up with. Okay. All right. So for the first category is plagiarism. So explain what you understand by plagiarism. Uh, plagiarism is the fun one because uh, I teach university students and we have to actually do a lot about that with them. Uh, so uh, that's obviously passing off somebody else's work as your own. You yes, know? especially. And, and they add in their definition without due acknowledgement. So, yeah, so passing. Let me just take this a little bit further then, because it was something I came across last year. I teach digital literacy and, at the university here, and we have to do one of the lectures is on plagiarism, on the input session on plagiarism. Yeah. And when I was initially doing the research on this, I came across what's called the plagiarism spectrum. I, oh, <laughs> I never wow. realized there was okay. that. So, so, in fact, if, if you go to, I think it's now on the Turnitin website, there are 10 diff, they identify 10 different types of plagiarism. Wow. I guess that means it's more evident than it used to be or more right. pervasive than. 
than yeah, it used to be. Definitely think so. You go from clone, what they call clone, which is fairly obvious, I, I think, to the uh, 404 era. You know the 404 era when you kind of you go, you search something on the internet, it's not there. And the 404 era is where the plagiarism's hidden by making citations to non-existent work. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's great. Anyway, okay. so number one, plagiarism, all right? So I've got eight more to go, yeah? Plagiarism, right. Number two, fabrication. Uh, well, that's presumably just uh, making something up. That would be my 404 era. I think so, actually. yes. So that's yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the falsification of data, data, information, or citations. Oh, I see. So I just ma- so fake citations, fake data, whatever. Yeah. So you make all oh, of that. So up. the Leave campaign in the UK that they were fabricated and stuff. Boom. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's yeah, keep yeah. going. Okay. Um, <laughs> the next one, deception. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, deception. Um, I. <sighs> Is that when uh, you claim that you've done something or have something and you don't? Yes, it's something like that. So this one they just just define as like giving fake information to an instructor about an academic exercise. So, for example, giving a fake excuse for missing a deadline or saying you submitted the work on time when you clearly didn't. You know, so is that, I, mean, I guess that's been academically dishonest. Like the mo- the modern equivalent of that is like, oh, we we had a power outage and my internet went out for like, you know, two hours and I missed the deadline because of that. Or I said I don't understand. I left it on your desk. It was there. That kind of thing. Uh, so what you're saying is, it's my dog ate the homework. Yes, yes, that's an example yeah, of yes. deception. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. The, they have one just called cheating. Oh, cheating! I presume is like a person would in a, in a test or an examination, maybe. Yeah. Car- so having just, the answers somewhere or something. Yeah, hiding answers. So getting assistance in an academic exercise is the, that, that, that's how they do cheating. Bribery. I think I just tried that with James, and like, yeah. if I le- if I buy his book. Yes. He will, yeah. Okay. Okay, he'll right. let you win the Tuffle fight, for example. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, obviously, I don't need that kind of help, but yeah, it's worth trying. This one I didn't know about as an example of academic dishonesty. I hadn't seen this one. Sabotage. What? Hang on. Is that, is that basically screwing everyone else up? Exactly. So they give examples of cutting pages out of library books, willfully disru- disrupting experiments of others. So like, you know, making sure that others don't get, get it done. I haven't seen that happen. That's really interesting because, and I know we'll talk about this in more depth later in the podcast. Obviously, we both kind of looked up uh, for the episode, ways in which people cheat. Yeah. and. I saw one and I, and I didn't quite understand it, but that makes perfect sense. And it was a website where the teachers were putting in uh, ways that their students are cheated. And one of them was talking about the fact that they gave the marks were given on a curve, you know, as in most exams, there's a curvature. Mm-hmm. So a certain percentage will get this mark and that mark. So one, one this student had ensured that the rest of the students couldn't get into the exam room. <laughs> well, exactly. That would be the thing. I think that would be example of, of cheating as sabotage. He got a hundred percent. Brilliant. I, and now it all makes sense. Sometimes you just have to applaud people. I mean, right. cutting out books from library, cutting out pages of library books, I don't think, you know, I would never condone. That's kind but, of crappy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> ensuring that the rest of your class can't find the exam it bought his borderline genius I, I know especially with the online stuff anyway let's keep going professorial misconduct as an example of academic dishonesty and i think you wanted to get to this one later on in the uh, yeah that's, i think there's, a, there's an interesting area because i mean i think as educationalists when we look at uh, uh, when you say cheating and academic dishonesty dishonesty it, it, i think the natural thing is to look at students but actually teachers are not as uh 
not as clean as we might seem. Exactly. Um, so this is this is like acts by the teacher that are fraudulent, that equate to academic fraud or grade fraud. So artificially inflating grades, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, make passing off someone else's work or or just fake marking it sort of just giving some I always pass. wonder how much that is done inadvertently anyway I'm not talking about professional misconduct but a lot of exam marking is subjective yes that's true yeah yeah I mean that's one of the advantages of, of having an independent marker but if you don't like a student you know that that might affect the way you mark their paper Especially yes. in, in an end of year test, for example, rather than say a formalized exam. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's finish off the the other two. There are two that are left, right? So let's go through them. What we have so far: plagiarism, fabrication, deception, cheating, bribery, sabotage, professorial misconduct, impersonation. What do you think this is? Hi, I'm Lindsay Clanfield, and I'm going to talk about. Yes, exactly. Or, uh, yeah, you sit the exam for me, the impersonation. And then the other one, contract cheating. Contract cheating. It's not like a contract. It's like a hitman. You take out a hit. You take out a con. Well, kind of. I kind of. It's like, no, you hire a third party to complete work on your behalf. Oh, okay. You're going to be talking about that later as well. Yeah, I think kind of, it. yeah. The, the, growing, the growth of essay milling, which we'll get about yes. later on, that would fall into that category. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, so which of those have you done then, uh, Lindsay? Come on. Oh, gosh. I mean, these. lots of these don't. <laughs> seem to i don't remember many of these existing for example the idea of impersonating i never kind of had that uh possibility contract cheating didn't exist when i was back in high school or university it wasn't the internet wasn't uh, developed yeah, but, 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 some facts have contract cheating if you think of a stereotypical i don't know american high school movie film isn't there always yeah. the geek and the the sports oh, jock and the geek yeah, isn't that, who is, helps who writes what, the essay wouldn't yeah. that be wouldn't that fall under that i'm not saying that you're uh, you, you did it that's but, uh, true that's true i didn't do it but that would have existed cheating yes i probably did cheat on the occasional test um and that could have been and i'll come back to this later on but that could have been like the writing painstakingly small notes to myself somewhere yeah, or on the on the hand i think i or a ruler i may have done it yeah i, I don't think i don't think i could claim to be innocent in that i mean i don't uh, I would say when I was at school, which is the, the vagueness is caused by memory because that's a long time ago, then I probably cheated on spelling tests and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This phrase cheat, though, is just I find very interesting. I think uh, we talked in the previous episode uh, about family. And actually, cheating is something that my, my sisters, who are the state school teachers, and I uh, have argued about a lot. When it, when is cheating, not necessarily a test, but when is cheating not collaboration? And, you know, and yeah. how would you define cheating? And I think la as language teachers, there is a fine line on that because lots of the things that we would recommend we do in a language classroom in other classrooms would be considered cheating. For example, uh, check your answers with a partner before you tell the teacher. Um, oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, brainstorm these things uh, first. Look it up in a dictionary to check to check you know the meaning. All of these things that we recommend as good practice for learner autonomy or collaborative group work or pair work. My sister a few years ago, she said, "Oh, I prepared this it was before Christmas." She said, "I prepared this test for my uh, sorry quiz for my students. You know, it's Christmas quiz." But she said, "We gave them this, you know, this fun Christmas quiz." And she said, "You know what? They cheated." I said, "What do you mean they cheated?" She said, "They got their phones out and they were looking it up on the internet." 
that. And I think, well, surely that's a good thing for them to do. And, you know, and we got into this argument because what would be the difference then from me, say, going to, in my day, an encyclopedia and looking up the information or somebody Googling it? And it was really interesting that she perceived that as cheating uh, in the in the classroom, uh, whereas I thought it was good, good classroom practice, you know, good student practice to look up something that they don't know. Yeah. So I think this, this concept of cheating, as you say, in our uh, strand of the profession might be slightly different to, to others. But mm. hmm. That sounds like we're beginning to edge towards a fight. Yeah, well, we, we, we tend to. Yeah, no, no, it's on my mind because it's the fact I keep saying test, I think. so. I think you're spoiling for one. I think you're spoiling for a Tuffle fight. We haven't had one yet this season. Well, yeah, well, because I, I think the idea of cheating um, is, is, is something that we should fight about, really, because obviously uh, uh, we do have differing opinions on this, I think. Uh, do we have a ringmaster or are we just getting on with this? Uh, let's, let's bring in the ringmaster. Welcome to another round of Tefl Fights, in which our two competitors duke it out to decide who's right and who's wrong. So, what are the Queensbury rules? Well, each fighter will have one minute to argue their case and do some serious damage to their competitor. In round two, they'll have the chance to follow up and land a knockout blow, persuading the judge, that's me, that they've managed to win. So in this episode, the guys have been talking about cheating. So in this bout, our brave pugilists will be sparring over this topic. Students should be allowed to cheat on tests. Going first and arguing for the topic, it's Sean. Seconds out, let's go. Standardised testing, end of year tests and even the how much can you regurgitate exams are not a clear indicator of someone's ability. They're outdated and also outmoded for life in this current epoch. In a test, why shouldn't, for example, people be able to look at words? What difference does it make? Modern life uses spell checks, so why do we deprive people of this skill in our time of need? In everyday life, if we don't know something, we search for it online. So again, why not use this skill in a test? If testing is supposed to be a way of proving you're ready for life, who would employ someone? Who would you employ? Someone that you can that can list all the kings and queens in British history, or someone who is an efficient online researcher? Cheating and the fact that both students and teachers feel the need to cheat highlights the inherent flaw in education systems. Students cheat to help succeed. Teachers cheat to help succeed. And people even cheat the educational system to get into schools and universities as they want. The whole system is flawed. Education systems are run as a political bargaining chip. The system of testing is often imposed by people who know nothing about education, placing teachers and students under enormous stress. Cheating undermines this system. So I say cheat away and long live the revolution. Okay, thank you, Sean. Lindsay, it's your turn. So, uh, are you ready? I think so, yes. Okay, so seconds out, round two. Over to you, Lindsay. Okay, well, let's be clear about terms, all right? If we are going to say, talk about cheating, cheating is something that is not allowed according to the rules. So if we change the rules, then it's no longer cheating. That's the first thing. However, 
the cheating that I'm talking about are stuff that is against the rules and therefore should not be allowed. Okay, cheating in a way is the same as lying and stealing. We don't think that it's right in real life. We don't think it, which therefore it should not be right in exams either. Cheating also is unfair to yourself. Um, you are basically telling yourself you don't believe in your own abilities when you cheat. Okay, so even if you get that good mark, you may be saying that you really didn't earn it to yourself. So in the end, cheating if it's something that you're not supposed to do and you do, will make you feel bad about yourself, okay? Also, cheating uh, is unfair to others. Um, if uh, if you allow cheating and some people cheat and the other people don't, then they are getting an unfair advantage over others. It should be a level playing field. That's the point of a test. Um, finally, cheating, uh, again, if it's something that is not allowed, can kill trust. If you get caught cheating only one time, it ruins the trust. Even if you never cheat again, the, those who uh, were administering the test or whatever would have a hard time trusting you. Now, what Sean is suggesting is saying that cheating shouldn't exist. Um, that's a different thing than having something and just allowing cheating to happen. Okay, thank you. Right, so as part of the fight, each of our boxers will get a chance to come back and respond. So Sean's going to be first. Are you ready, Sean, to come back? Yeah. I, how long? I've got thirty seconds for this, haven't I? Um, yeah. There's there so much to unpick. Seconds out. Round three. Well, I think Lindsay's argument lacked a lot of, uh, it was fairly incoherent, but um, let's pick up on a few things. Level playing field. Education isn't a level playing field full stop. Uh, people, uh, people, as I said in my opening minute, uh, people uh, twist the system and change the system uh, to their own advantage all along. Um, so if the, if the field is unlevel to start with, then why not? Uh, we don't lie. Well, what about white lying? People do lie uh, and do little deceptive things. Uh, I would see those as normal. So what's wrong with doing a little bit of cheating in that as well? Being unfair to yourself. Well, uh, students are under incredible amounts of pressures uh, you know, to get into university, to get this and that. So a little bit of help here and there. It's not being unfair to yourself. It's giving yourself uh, a, a little boost to get through a system which is inherently flawed and unfair to them. Okay, thank you. Lindsay, are you ready to come back? I think so. Yes, I am. Okay, so round four. Lindsay, take it away. Okay, again, I think we're coming down to semantics. An open book test is not an example of cheating. It is an open book test where t books are allowed to be uh, consulted. What we're talking about is cheating is not codifying the cheating into the test. It's sort of just saying anything goes, or at least that's what I understand by the proposition. And I don't think that should be right, partly also because it causes stress. If you cheat or you're not really clear on it, you're afraid of getting caught. Um, and uh, this, this goes up uh, the more the actions are... Uh, illegal or not allowed to be done so i think cheating in that way if it's if it's just an anything goes thing someone will find a better way to do it than you do that's why um some things some things are in the rules and some things are outside of the rules also by doing this um you will feel better about yourself it's about building grit something else that's important in education you'll feel better about yourself if you are able okay that's it thank you very much okay Self-esteem issues, Lindsay. <laughs> the fight is over. We have to wait for the judge. No, no have, more cheating. Just, cheating. No more just cheating. Asking, just asking. Yes, okay. that's it. Please respect the rules. If there's any time you should respect the rules, surely it's now. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so we've heard some great arguments from both of 
our combatants. Well, one of us gave a great argument. And Sigh. it's time now <laughs> for me to make my final decision who, as to who has the eye of the tiger and who has been left spread-eagled on the canvas. Now, I want to remind you that my judging is based not on who do I think is right, but who do I think did the best job arguing. And I think considering the topic, I will give this bout to Lindsay. Oh, yeah! Oh, You thought he oh. generally thought his argument oh. was better? Oh, <laughs> Oh well, oh, at least Sean, I... you're spread eagled on the map. Yeah, but, I, but I'm also five pounds richer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh well, congratulations! I'll give you the little handshake. Thank you, Judge. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, that was a tough fight, people. Thanks very much. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't know if I want to continue. We were talking before our fight about about cheating. Um, I'm sure both of us in our research came up with strange or inventive ways students have cheated. What ones would you like to share? I did find some interesting ones. I'm going to go back to uh, when I first started teaching, actually, as, uh, as my starting point for this. So I was teaching in Athens and Greece in a private language school. Private language schools in Greece way back then were very small and whatever. And it's kind of first teaching job. It's quite naive. You know, you do the kind of progress test the, you know, that goes, you know, after the end of a unit or something in a, in a course book. And I was teaching these kids, uh, and I was like, they're doing this test, and I was thinking, make, make, you know, um, correction fluid. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking during this test, there's a lot of a lot of this correction fluid being passed around, and it took me weeks to realise that they had that they'd got the answers written around the bottles of correction fluid. Oh my fluid. gosh. <laughs> And that's like, great and then i realized then i realized that, you know just talking about it with fellow teachers this was a very common way of cheating in greece then it was yeah so i had to applaud well a lot of these things are like writing things really small so i mean i found examples of things being written on nails written on rulers written on the edge of the pencil written on um written on your wrist or written on your sleeve always like the cheat notes there's one they're taking it a step further it was tattooed oh my <laughs> gosh like, that, that's quite extreme that is quite extreme but you know, there's something I, I noticed about this, and I did write an article about precisely what our fight was about once on on cheating, on on ways of incorporating cheating into your tests. Because one of the things I noticed is I used to make cheat sheets, really small ones. But what I found really yeah. frustrating as a cheater was that I inevitably memorized all that stuff because the painstaking act of rewriting all of those things on a piece of paper meant that it was kind of in my mind. So in a way, yeah, cheat yeah. notes and cheat sheets are like good studying, you know, I mean, it, absolutely. I've always when in the times when I've been taking exams, I've always rewritten things. I'm not necessarily as a teacher. So what I, what I had done with a group of students once because it, I had had it done to me at university. We had one teacher who said the next exam is not an open book, but an open page exam. You are allowed one page of A4 paper, both yeah. sides, write as much as you want on that page and you can bring that to the exam. And so it was amazing because, of course, everything I'd written on the page ended up being the best 
most detailed study notes I'd ever made in my life. Absolutely. And then I didn't Absolutely. have to really refer to them because I'd memorized them from kind of writing it all down. It's kind of what I alluded to in, in my argument in the fact though, that I think, you know, when I, when I wasn't joking about being test being outmoded. It depends on the way you set the test. I mean, obviously the language, this tends to be a test of the language itself. Yeah. Cheating in this case only works if the answer requires you to regurgitate information. Yeah. If you're having to, uh, you know, assimilate the information or a comment on that information, that's a different kind of thing. Yeah. So a test, a, a, a spot test on um, irregular verbs, um, that wouldn't make so much sense to have people be able to write down, you know, all the regular verbs on a piece of paper and then just refer to that. Um, yeah. But a, but a test where they have to write like a letter or an email or, um, you know, a small essay or a series of like diagnostic questions about the different grammar. Well, maybe there would be a case for having your own kind of cheat sheet that you could refer to. A lot of English language tests and exams do this. I mean, the, the focus is on more on the communicative aspect of it than necessarily the accuracy of it, you know, in, in some senses. Yeah. So, you know, knowing how to conjugate the, the verb in the past simple perhaps isn't as important as using it in the correct place, you know? Exactly. Anyway, ways that people cheat. Some Chinese schools, they use jammers outside of the schools when exams are going on so people can't use technology. Wow. Because things like using little, um, you know, like almost like spyware. So jammers like jamming the internet signal. Yeah, yeah jamming signals because people would have either broadcasting stuff in fire, phone or mobile device or you see it in spy movies a little in-ear insertion so that they could be talked to yeah i saw this several times on the i never heard of this before the headphones in the sleeves thing aha uh -huh, yeah no 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 what you're talking about yeah i don't yeah i had no idea what that is maybe i was oblivious to it but the idea of using a a ballpoint pen as a as a communication device you know so two clicks it's answer b one click it's answer a that kind oh, of I stuff see. Uh, but perhaps my favorite one with this i'll read it verbatim my teacher in high school once told me uh he was taking a history final in senior year in college there were allowed snacks because it was a long final so he wrote the answers on the on pringles with a food dye pen and then ate them after he'd finished the information <laughs> oh my gosh that's, that's hilarious brilliant. eating the evidence that's eating the evidence yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one of the best ones that i saw was in the newspaper it was talking about crazy exam cheating stories one was from a medical school a medical college i don't know this is according to one of the people writing in their medical college that they attended in india someone who isn't taking the exam waits at ground level picks it up and leaves on the street just outside the college a van with a public address system waits the question paper is delivered to it inside which all the crooks are seated with books notes guides whatever it takes who start dictating answers via broadcast everybody passes oh, which is just insane it is it anyway is. it's the lengths that people go to and i quite like the idea of what you said having this open cheat sheet do you know what i'll, I'll, I'll share another technique that i had that i allowed students to cheat i did this with a group of 11 year olds this worked always really well you know when you're working with students and you're invigilating an exam and one of them puts their hand up and they say they point to a question they ask you something and you say i could tell you but that's giving you the answer so i can't tell you you know and then you're stuck in this like to and fro and someone and then you'd be like okay well i can tell you this because it's not really giving the answer so it's sort of you're always you know some people you get the feeling they're kind of taking the piss what i had was i gave each student these 11 year olds i gave them each a little um gold ticket all right and i said this ticket is worth one answer one answer out of whatever the 20 or 30 or 50 because in the end of the day we all know that one answer on a multiple choice of m many many answers doesn't really really make a difference i mean it may in some cases but most of the time it doesn't those who fail usually fail those who pass usually pass um so they were able to have that one answer that they could cash in from one answer which i would point for them or tell them on the test but the key was if you didn't use it in the test you could bank it 
and keep it to the next one. So the next one you get two. And what became really interesting is that, you know, first of all, it solved that problem of like, excuse me, teacher, what is this? And I'd say, I can't tell you because, so I'd say, I can tell you, but I need your ticket. And then they'd look at me and they'd be like, okay, forget it, forget it. I'll, I'll save it because I think I know and I can, I'll, I'll take the risk yeah, and yeah. save it for something else that I need even more. And then you had some people who were just natural hoarders. And so they would, they would like, they would be saying, I've got five tickets for the final exam. And they still wouldn't burn them all because they were just sort of collecting like like they were collecting like treasures. Um, so it was really interesting in that in that one. That's a really nice technique. Would they be inclined to cheat? Oh, I don't know. But I'm wondering whether a technique like that would actually make people less inclined to cheat otherwise, because you know they, they're almost doing something for that extra point that they could get here and there. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, one thing it did do is it would remove some of the stress you were talking about before, the the major stress of exam. It's almost if you know that you have the same thing with the cheat sheet that you bring in. The reasons for cheat sheets is kind of to try to alleviate some of that stress through an, through outside agency, you know, either of your own that you did before or of the teacher or someone else to help you. So in a way, it's sort of like those things in game shows, you know, like, do I, you know, call a friend or, you know, you get one answer or the audience says or things like that. So in a way, it's more as a tool to alleviate some of the stress of the exam situation. Now, would they cheat more or less? I'm not sure. I didn't notice a big difference. But then, I mean, I didn't do it hundreds of times. I did it only like four or five times. Hmm. I don't know. It's just interesting. You found something, is it from the University of Maryland? Ah, yeah. This was a fiendish way of doing extra points. And I think it was part of an, uh, an experiment. This was, um, you, I found this as a, one of the a controversial exam question. I'm really not sure how I feel about it or how it fits in with cheating, but let me just read it to you. So the, at, on the exam, there was a part at the end of the exam with a question that read, and I'm okay. going to read it. Here you have the opportunity to earn some extra credit on your final paper grade. Select whether you want two points or six points added to your final paper grade. So then there's an option. You tick two points or six points. But there's a small catch. If more than 10% of the class selects six points, no one gets any points. Your responses will be anonymous to the rest of the class. Only I will see the responses. So it's sort of like you get a chance for extra points, but do you want to be greedy and get the six extra points, knowing that if lots of, it's like the tragedy of the commons or the whatever, the prisoner's dilemma, knowing that if 10% of the class asks for those six extra points, you know, you blow up the whole thing. So wouldn't you choose six anyway? Because you're not losing points. You was just, your score would still be the same without the choice, wasn't it? You're just, you're asking for two or six points. Yeah. So logically, would you not choose, would you not, I'm just thinking I would choose six because I'm no worse off. Oh, I see. So, like, if you're, you, your baseline is zero, and so you might as well get six rather than just go for two. But don't you want to do what's good for the whole group? No. The tests aren't about group work, are they? That's the whole point. Well, I guess the whole thing of this one was yeah. it does bring a group dynamic we'll element into it. So we know where your loyalty stands. Now I don't feel so bad for, for being the reactionary in the fight. Um. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still a bit sore about the fight, to be honest. Anyway, maybe we should take a break before we kick off again. <laughs> All right, let's hear what our producer James has to say. Hello, this is producer James just popping in to say hello. We're on season eight of the Tevil Commute already. Can you believe it? A big thank you to everyone listening, especially those who've been there since the beginning. Okay, so I just wanted to say quickly before we get back to the show that there are numerous ways you can keep in touch with the Tevil Commute. The first and best way, of course, is if you're listening to this program on a podcast app, is to go to our page on that app and hit the subscribe button. 
If you do that, then you can guarantee that every fresh new episode of the show will just automatically download to your phone and you won't have to lift a finger. The second thing you can do is, of course, go to our website where you'll see all the show notes for each episode and all of our archive you can find there as well. Uh, the third thing you can do is go to our Facebook page. So just do a search for TEFL Commute and there you'll see information about new episodes. And fourthly, you can go and follow us on Twitter as well, also at TEFL Commute for similar updates. So there's four things you can do to stay in touch with the podcast. Okay, subscribe, website, Facebook and Twitter. Okay, I'll stop taking up your time. Welcome back to season eight and let's go back to Sean and Lindsay. We're back, everyone. When I was thinking about looking at Cheated, there's a, there were a load of articles came out in the, the uh, UK newspapers in the last 24 hours, I guess, because universities have just gone back this, this kind of week. But this, this idea of this, this growing market of, of essay milling, UK, I guess it's the modern version of the exam cheating we talk about, taking the paper to the van and letting people do the answer there. But people will write your essays for you because it's online, you know. You... Yeah, I came across several examples of those as well, like quite established businesses, it looks like as well. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're really, I mean, like proper. Like this isn't just some kind of Joe with like a, you know, a high school level website. This looks, these look like really full on, you know, we will do the, your essays for you, no problem. I mean, I guess somebody writing your work for you, and according to some some sources that I was reading and some of the papers I was reading, you would write, people would pay 500 pounds or for an essay or 3,000 yeah. pounds for, for, for a dissertation. So it's, I guess it could be quite lucrative. But then what I started thinking about is, actually, it doesn't, isn't this just a, isn't, apart from obviously online facilitating this, we've had this, I don't know if we're still in, but we went, we went through this period of celebrity culture and every celebrity therefore bought out their autobiography and their autobiographies were ghost written you know they were written by somebody else yeah so isn't this just another example of ghost writing and therefore is it not wrong is it cheating to have your autobiography written by someone else well i think i think so I do, yeah i guess <laughs> i guess so i don't see it exactly the same thing because this writing the essays and everything hmm, feel different about that but never, then i again i was never really that keen on the celebrity auto ghost written autobiography doesn't say on the I, I i think almost everybody assumes that many of these that david beckham did not write his autobiography or they didn't write it alone no he didn't no 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 whereas with the essays thing you kind of assume it should be your own work no i'm not i wasn't advocating i wasn't making anything but i was just interested i, I find it interesting because obviously um when you work in going back to this idea of, of digital literacy and this idea of remix literacy and this idea that in like you know that you can that things can be remixed or done by other people in real life but they all come back to where we started yeah it's plagiarism or whatever uh you know and i could just wonder if it's you know society this is a societal example and yet we get up in arms when uh somebody actually has the uh you know the, the good business sense to start a business that will essay mill uh for you but um that's how i was looking at it not not trying to be supporting the uh the, the movie I was going to talk about another growth area online that's all related to cheating. I mean, the whole, um, the internet has given rise to new forms of cheating, but also new forms of countering cheating. Um, I mean, one area that I learned about, and I think it was Philip Kerr, who has the blog on adaptive learning, that very popular blog there. Uh, has appeared, has appeared in this podcast, I think. Indeed. He once mentioned something to me about the new rage of online proctoring. And though I had to go look that up and that was really interesting. So, um, Online proctoring 
in case you are like me and were like, what is that? Is like online invigilating of exams. So as more and more exams become computer-based exams or online exams that you can take at home, the, the increasing problem is, is how do you make sure that someone is not cheating, right? And what has developed are these companies. I'm looking at one right now called ProctorU or something like that. And there are several others who rent out services for online proctoring. This means that you need to, you, there are three kinds. The first kind is live online proctoring. So that means that you do your exam and you have to turn on your webcam, connect to this other person, this man or woman who is wherever, I don't know, in the Philippines or in India or something like that, and they sit and watch you do the exam the whole time. Audio has to be on, video has to be on, and screen share has to be on the whole time. So they can see everything and are watching that you're not using anything else, that you're not. I love the idea that the screen share has to be on and the audio and the video so you can they can see all elements. And apparently these online proctors are moderating be anywhere between 16 and 32 candidates at a time. And it could be from completely different exams. So it's like and your own personal CCTV. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of imagine like it's completely Orwellian. You imagine this kind of proctor with like millions of TVs all around them. They're sort of like where the screen windows all around them and like student number 34, put down that phone, you know, or... It does raise a, uh, a, a thing in my mind. I mean, like, it, I mean, not, so first of all, it, it, it is, I guess it is the natural uh, version of an in, of the invigilator, the online version. Exactly, of the exactly. So, so, you know, when you think about it from that angle, perhaps it isn't so strange. But I do now wonder, what happens if you need a comfort break? I guess, I don't know. Do you bring the computer with you? I'm not sure. Do you, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, oh, that's the, weird, yeah. In the face-to-face -face environment, the invigilator would walk and stand outside the bathroom with you, I guess. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, here's, the, the second kind was recorded. So right. in this one, there's nobody monitoring the feed, but you turn the whole thing on, your feed, audio, video, screen share. It's all recorded and then sped up 20 times as fast where people and algorithms watch the whole thing. And so like, you know, whatever, it's being observed by a person, right. but also the program is trained to like, okay, if he moves more than so-and-so inches away or does something weird or le leans over, you know, like... So and now I imagine it kind of like those those kind of things like in you know those CIA movements is like yeah, yeah, stop yeah, yeah. stop the film right there rewind back to one minute thirty two you see that look look he's cheating you know do you think in this day and age I can see the point of it from an exam point of view to come completely I can understand why it exists but that you know actually handing over your control of your computer your webcam to oh I know I know that's the other thing is you kind of suspect like when does it end yeah exactly how, like, if yeah. You, how, when why could they not just turn it on again and the final last one is even more scary than that respect is like the advanced automated proctoring so this one there's no human it's all directed by algorithms the system monitors the feeds for any suspicious activity so that includes like the light in the room changing suspicious objects background voice activity face recognition as well to do student authentication which is kind of weird but then you're kind of like it feels like you know we're approaching the self-driving car yeah exactly students. yeah big brother is certainly watching you is yes Indeed. Obviously, I think if we revisited this podcast uh, in a couple of years, we'd probably you would find there's a whole new, uh, even more tools for measuring it because obviously the way the world and certainly the way of exams is kind of more and more pushing towards doing them uh, online. Yeah. Uh, well, you could almost imagine then, if that case, you could almost imagine exams instead being in front of a computer where you can open other tabs or you can do other things. Imagine the exam where they give you <clears throat> the virtual reality goggles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now you are like, like with, with, with sound and, and everything like that. And you're just like, you walk into the vault 
vault or whatever. And it's like, you know, yeah. you cannot hear anything. You cannot see anything else. You're in an enormous vault or like a cathedral all by yourself sitting at a lone table writing the exam. That would be fun. Well, uh, you know, you, yeah. I mean, I know you're saying you're partly in jest, but there's certain truth in it. I mean, it's ca- Cambridge themselves are looking at uh, uh, using VR as a way of getting people ready for exams. They're using VR simulation so, so students can get a feel for what an oral exam is like so you know it's not that uh it's not that far removed perhaps from it no can you imagine the stress that you add in depending on your vr simulation like you know imagine you're going to do this exam in a in an airplane and and you know and the door like your speaking exam the doors are opening like quick tell me the difference between these two photos do it do it now when the doors open you're just pushed out let's change tack or go we'll go back to the beginning naturally the the episode is going to be aimed when we talk about cheating we come coming in as a students yeah and uh, you did yeah. mention it in your nine uh, your nine things the the idea of professional misconduct in the academics and it, it should be noted that uh, teachers are as bad at cheating perhaps as as students are now um, you mean cheat teachers doing their own t- teachers when they're students or teachers like cheating for students they, they where i'm coming from is this idea of the standardized test and uh, what we have in, in Britain of league tables and so on, the teachers are under enormous pressure for their students to do well. So there's been a massive growth. It's something like four times as many teachers cheated last year as this year in preparing and getting, and you know, by cheating, it means that manipulating their students' answers or or making sure the students knew the answers for standardized tests. And if you, wow. uh, and if you go, uh, I mean, uh, we'll put some links in the, in the website, obviously, but you see in, in the States, so many teachers have, uh, you know, have been fired because they've been found out to be fixing their results. Um, as I say, in the UK, it's got up from something like 97 cases to nearly 400 cases of wow. teachers being found out of you know of fixing the results of tests so but i can definitely see when the, when so much is riding on it yeah, not just absolutely. for the student now but for the school the class the teacher their their the 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 all of that stuff money funding um leak tables it it makes sense doesn't it it does, it's a sad it does. sad thing maybe we should maybe we should wrap it up let's just come let's just see can we agree on something Te- cheating good or bad or is that just too black and white i think it's too black and white shades of gray i'm not gonna rule it out our final line cheating is an area of many shades of gray yay there's a fence let's go sit on it <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find us, of course, at um, tufflecommute.com. Also on our Facebook page, Tufflecommute. We're on Twitter and all the other social media places. And you get us wherever you get your podcast. You can download it. Or if you prefer uh, and don't want to wait to download a podcast, you can stream us on Spotify now. So find us in all the good places. Anything else we should add, Sean? No, you did a very good job of recapping. Well done. All right, everyone. I didn't even cheat on that. Did you know? Well, makes a change. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye Lizzie. see you next time bye everyone bye everybody as your commute is coming to an end here's an idea you can take into class this is based on something Lindsay and Sean were talking about in the episode Tell your students that for the next test, they'll be allowed to make a crib note which they can bring with them into the exam. Tell them they're allowed one A4 size piece of paper on which they can write anything and as much as they like on both sides. The only other rule is that anything on the crib note must be in their own handwriting, no photocopies. To make it more challenging for them, reduce the size of the paper, half an A4 sheet. 
Tell them what units are on the test and then let them cram as much of it on the paper as they can. They can make a draft of these crib notes in class together as an activity and do the final version at home. Then, let them bring the crib note to the next test. You've been listening to The TEFL Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or on your podcast player of choice and by visiting us at tefelcommute.com. Hello! <laughs> Stand up, he's here, the ringmaster, James. All right.